0: Well, good morning uh, to each of you who have chosen to join us this morning. Uh, As most of you know, we have uh, been looking at the significant sayings of Jesus while he was on the cross, and so we're going to continue that this morning. We're going to be looking at the sixth thing, sixth thing that he said uh, while on the cross, and... uh, So if you have your Bible, and I pray that you do, grab your Bible. I hope that you're using this uh, time purposefully and uh, really using this as an opportunity to worship the Lord. So if you could grab your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 9, 19, excuse me. And as you're turning, I want you to know that uh, uh, I miss seeing you guys. This place uh, uh, every day is empty and uh, we miss seeing you, but we are praying for you and Uh, praying for those that have been affected by the COVID-19 virus, and certainly uh, we're praying that uh, the Lord will make a way for us to be able to gather together once again very soon. Let's look in our text this morning. I want to begin by reading in John chapter 19, verse 28. We're going to look back at the verse we looked at last week, but we're going to read a couple more verses there. And beginning in verse number 28, the Bible says this, it says, and after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. Notice what verse 30 says. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together today, and even if it's only by means of uh, online worship and, God, using technology as a gift that you have given us to do so, Lord, we're thankful for that gift. Lord, I pray that today as we meet that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, God, that our hearts might be receptive to what you have for us today, and God, we do pray for those family members and individuals all around, not only our country, but all around the world that have been infected with the COVID-19 uh, virus. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to give wisdom and wherewithal to those that are seeking treatments and vaccines and cures for this uh, virus. Certainly, Lord, we pray that you have your will in your way during our time of worship. And God, I pray that you would uh, use me as a vessel that you might flow through today to speak your word to your people. Lord, we thank you for what you'll do in advance and we give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' precious name we do pray, and for His sake, amen. Well, if you look back with me in John chapter 19, look at verse 30 again, because here in verse 30 we see the sixth thing that Jesus says on the cross. When He says these words, He says, it is finished. And then here in John's gospel, we see that He bows His head and He gives up the ghost. So immediately the question that should resonate with you and with I, really when we think about this passage is, what is... The it that Jesus is saying is finished. And I know that we could all possibly start spouting off a number of ideas. What did he finish? And, and we all have ideas of what he did. But for me, I guess, I go back and I look back in Scripture to the very first recorded words we have of Jesus we know that he uh, the angels foretold his coming to his to his parents and whatnot but if you flip with me, I think it's important to see this flip with me to Luke chapter two you re- may remember the story the first time that we see Jesus speaking is in Luke chapter two and as a 12 year old boy Jesus and his parents they've they've actually made their way to Jerusalem for the Passover feast and we know from scripture that once the the days of the Passover fulfilled they start to make their way home and and on their way home, uh, uh, mom and dad, what they don't realize, it's, it's like us sometimes in Walmart, we don't realize where our kids are. <laughs> they didn't realize that Jesus isn't with them. And so they, they think evidently from Scripture, we see that they think he's with uh, family members or friends somewhere along in the caravan. But what we see in Scripture is we find uh, really interesting in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 46. Look with me there. In verse number 46, the Bible says, and it came to pass that after these days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Verse 47, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, watch what she says. She says, behold, thy father and I have sought thee Sorrowing. And so any mom could identify with what Mary's saying here. She was, she was anxious. She was concerned. Where is her son at this point? And so she tells him, she says, We've sought thee sorrowing. But notice what Jesus says in verse 49. He basically, he basically responds to his mother, like he does most people throughout scripture, with two questions. He gives them a couple of, he gives his parents a couple of questions. Notice he says in verse 49, and he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? In other words, he says, why have you sought me with so much anxiety? And then notice he goes on and he says, wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? How incredible is that? He's saying to his parents, he says, you guys know why I've come. You guys actually uh, were told by the angel Gabriel what my purpose was. And he says, so how is it that you didn't understand that I would be about my father's business? So he's indicating a beginning to the purpose of his ministry. And notice verse 50. Verse 50 says, "And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them." Here in this text Jesus is referencing his father's business. Later, in fact, if you go back to John chapter 4, later Jesus says to his disciples, notice he says these words. He says, "My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work." That's in John 4:34. Then He speaks to the Jews in John 5, in verse 36. He says, The works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do. And they bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So on and on, Jesus is talking about this work that his Father has sent him to do. You may recall in John chapter 17. Jesus is praying to his father. In fact, if we look at John 17, uh, in chapter 17, verse number four, Jesus is praying to his father. This is the night before his death. And notice what he says. He says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do again and again. Jesus was saying and praying to, praying to the Father that His life was all about completing or finishing the work that His Father sent Him to do. And then we fast forward and we see here in John chapter 19, verse number 30, He says, it is finished. I think about in my life, in our life as, as people, that sometimes we begin things, don't we? We begin things that sometimes we don't finish. I think about sometimes uh, we have creative ideas in the workplace. Maybe you start a new project, but maybe that project never comes to fruition, never gets completed. I think about we begin projects at home. How many people have projects at home today, right? Uh, for our younger, younger audience today, those that are in school, high school, and college, um, sometimes I think we start our homework well, you get the rest of the story, right? We start our homework, but we don't always finish it. The dog ate the homework. Uh, we, we make New Year's resolutions. I think about that every year. We make New Year's resolutions, and then two or three weeks into the new year, they're left by the wayside. But sometimes I think we struggle with unfinished business in a more serious note, in a more serious way. You see things like this. Uh, we never take time to make amends. Or to reconcile, or to resolve conflict, we have unfinished business. We we uh, we leave things left unsaid. Uh, we leave forgiveness on the table. We don't we don't extend forgiveness to others. Wounds, if you please, are left unattended to. Unfinished business. Spiritually speaking, I remember working for Doctor Gray and. Springfield, Missouri at Park Crest Baptist Church. And he always used to talk about uh, as believers, spiritually speaking, we want to begin, start well, and we want to have a good beginning, a good middle, but we all want to have a good ending. Sometimes I think spiritually speaking, we begin well, but we don't always finish well. And then others of us, uh, I hear many times people are talking about the Lord. They talk about spiritual things, but they never, never make that Step of faith. They never take that step of faith to trust Christ as their Savior. Yes, many times I think people live and pass from this life into the next with a lot of unfinished business. But I don't know about you, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus was able to say with absolute certainty, right here in verse number 30, He said, It is finished. Look at that verse again, because it says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, It is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. Now, the Greek word that we use to right, when we, we look at that phrase, it literally means it is finished, to But it comes from the Greek verb teleo. And it's interesting, but that Greek verb teleo actually means to end, to complete, or accomplish, which is pretty crucial because this word actually indicates the successful end to a particular course of action. So when you and I think about this word "tetelestai," right? Let me give you some four instances, if you please. Uh, "Tetelestai" would be the word that seniors in high school or seniors in college would say or use when they turn in that last paper or take that last exam. "Tetelestai" is the word people might use after making the last payment on their home or on an automobile. "Tetelestai" is the word that we would use in celebration. After we cross the finish line of a mud run, a 5K, 10K, or a 26.2 mile marathon to telesty, it is finished. You see, it conveys more than just the idea of survival, which I remember the first time I ran a marathon, uh, I probably would have said to telesty, uh, not so much that it uh, indicated a finish to something, but that I had just survived, right? But this word actually means more than just survival. It conveys the idea that we did exactly what we set out to do And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. But folks I want you to know there's more to uh, to it than just the verb itself. You see verse number 30 tells us this word to it it re- reminds us that it's used in what we call the perfect tense. Now, I know a lot of people, grammar is not a big deal, but in Scripture, it really is because it's significant because if it's used in the perfect tense, it's speaking of an action. We see here he says it is finished. It's speaking of an action that was completed in the past, but has, still has results that continue in the present. And so the verb is, If let's think about it this way. If the verb was rendered in the past tense, then when we look at this passage, we would simply look back and say, this or that happened. But because it's used in the perfect tense, when we look at this one particular verse, we look back and we say, this happened, this took place. However, it still has an effect on us today. It's an incredible, it's an incredible thing when we really study it out. And what's amazing to me is that Jesus, when He says, it is finished, here's what He's saying. What He finished in the past is still finished today in the present and it'll still be finished in the future. And so I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that He didn't say, uh, I'm done or I'm finished, which would have implied His own defeat and exhaustion. No, He said, it is finished. In other words, Jesus was saying, I have completed all that I came to do. With our Lord and Savior, nothing was left undone, right? No unfinished business with Jesus. When we think about this word, "to tetelestai, it's what the high priest would have said when he, exam- when he examined an animal right? When he, when he examines an animal and he finds it to be faultless, unblemished, or, or suitable for sacrifice, that's what the high priest would have said, to telestai. Uh, it's, it's what merchants and tax collectors would write or stamp on their receipts, indicating that a debt had been paid in full. It's what an artist would say when completing a work of art. It's, it's what a writer would say when completing a manuscript. Oh, you see, when Jesus' life on earth was finished, His life as the incarnate, incarnate Son of God, His life of poverty and toil, His life of weariness and hunger and temptation, His life of holy obedience, His life of grief and pain, it all came to an end. But honestly, when we look at this one verse in verse 30, we can see some amazing things about this phrase, this word, it is finished. And similar, really right off the bat, similar to last week's points. Remember when we were talking from verse number 28 and we were talking how Jesus was talking about he thirsted and and in verse 28, if you look at that, it says this phrase, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Well, that word fulfilled is the Greek word teleo, right? And it traces its origin back to the primary word telos. Guess what? It is finished traces its origins back to this word, telos, right? And so they're connected. Verse 28 all the way through verse 30, there's three times that Jesus speaks of finishing something. And here we see that Scripture has been fulfilled. And this word fulfilled, the teleo, if you please, means to complete, to accomplish, to make perfect, or to finish. So when we connect verse 28 with verse number 30, and Jesus says to telestai, Or it is finished, right? Which comes from that word teleo, primary word telos. Jesus is referencing verse 28 and he is saying, watch this, all of God's promises, all of the covenants, all of the prophecies, all of the law, they have all been fulfilled. How amazing is that? Jesus is on the cross about ready to take his last breath and he says, it's all done. Nothing has been left undone. There's no unfinished business. Uh, Father, I have accomplished everything that you sent me to do. Last week, we talked about how that Jesus had fulfilled more than 300 predictions or prophecies about the Messiah, right? And they'd all been fulfilled. And by the way, there's no way that you and I could take the time to look through all of them, right? Through an online chat or message, but some of the prophecies in Scripture that I found, and just looking at this week, remind me that they are so mind-boggling. I mean, for instance, think about this. In Genesis chapter three, thirteen, the Bible declares that Jesus would be born of a woman. Be born of a woman. We know that that's fulfilled in Galatians four, when the Bible tells us in verse number four. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Isaiah seven fourteen. Reminds us that Jesus would be born of a virgin. We see that being fulfilled in Matthew 1, 18. Tells us about that. Genesis 22, 18. The Bible talks about that through the seed of Abraham, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Speaking of Jesus. And again, Matthew 1. uh, Right there, you can look at the uh, genealogy. Right off the bat in Matthew chapter 1, he gives us the genealogy of our Lord and Savior. And so we see that being fulfilled. Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2, we know the Bible talks about the birthplace of our Lord as being Bethlehem, and we see that coming to pass because it's exactly where he was born. But here's one that not many people think about, and it was pretty interesting to me. If you look over in Jeremiah 31 and verse number 15, the Bible talks about the fact that the Messiah's birth would mean suffering for others. Now you say, why would it mean suffering for others? And I don't know about you, but I can only imagine the suffering that would have taken place for moms and dads when King Herod sent out his soldiers, right? You remember in Scripture in Matthew chapter 2, I believe it is, King Herod sends out his soldiers to kill all the children under the age of two. Oh, what suffering would have been taking place during that time? Hosea 11 and verse number one reminds us that Jesus remember Jesus and his parents it talks about the fact that they would make their flight to Egypt and return and all the Gospels confirm that this took place and so we could go on and on but the reality from Scripture is that God has a plan and he has always had a plan for our salvation and we can see his plan unfolding through the fulfillment of Scriptures right I don't want to take long To make that point, but the reality is that Scripture had been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And really, the second thing that I see this morning is that sin sacrifice had been completed, right? Not only was Scripture fulfilled, but sin sacrifice was completed. Look back in verse 28. And I'm connecting verse 28 on purpose because notice at the beginning of verse number 28, it says, and this, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. There again, we looked a moment ago at the word fulfilled from verse 28, which has its roots in the same primary word as the idea of this word to tellestai Fulfilled. Right? Tele-o-o, But now we look at this word accomplished in verse 28, which comes from the word teleo, right? It's the same verb uh, that we see, and that verb actually means this to end, to complete, or to conclude. And so what we see here in verse 28, 29, and 30, we see them connected where Jesus knows that all things are accomplished. Scripture might be filled. He says, I thirst. They, they try to give him the vinegar. And then he turns and he says, it is finished. He bows his head and gives up the ghost. And we know that Jesus, he realizes that everything has been taken care of. Now, let's be honest. You and I also know that the work of the resurrection is still to come, Right? So let's not jump ahead. But through but through Him, redemption was complete. I think about the hatred of His enemies was finished. The physical, emotional, and spiritual suffering that we talked about last week, that, by the way, it was ordained by God, was finished. We think about the price for sin being paid in full. We think about the earthly life of our Lord and Savior. It was now finished. Nothing, wo- nothing more was needed. There was nothing, no other sacrifice that you or I could make. There was no other sacrifice necessary, right? Because he said, it is finished. Jesus completely and perfectly finished what no one else could do. I think back in John chapter 1, in John chapter 1, verse number 29, you know, John the Baptist it says the next day in verse 29 it says the next day, John, seeing Jesus coming unto him, saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Even John understood that the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God was Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. Hebrews 10 In verse 14, by the way, I want to encourage you to read Hebrews chapter, well, read it all, right? But read chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10, especially 9 and 10, you'll see this. But in Hebrews 10, in verse number 14, the Bible says, for by one offering, he, speaking of Jesus, hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I was talking to Brian Wise, our missionary to Nicaragua, just a little while ago, uh, this morning, uh, before coming in here to, to speak to you guys. And, uh, I was talking about this, this, this idea that Jesus had perfected forever them that are sanctified. And so I I was telling him, think about this. The idea of perfecting something forever requires a perfect sacrifice. You can't perfect anything if you're not a perfect sacrifice. That's why I asked you to read Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10, right? Because in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ as our high priest, by the way, He was just that, that He became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Folks, with Jesus, every obstacle was and has been removed. In fact, if you read Scripture, the veil has been torn in two, and I'm so thankful for that. The way of grace and mercy was opened. Oh yes, the work that was completed by Jesus Christ, right, through His life, His death, His burial, and His ultimate resurrection, right, and His ascension into heaven, the work that was completed by Jesus provided a full sacrifice for sin. It, it provides that fatal blow that we heard about in Genesis 3.15. It provides that fatal blow to Satan. The foundation of grace was established for the whosoever wills, right? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? So that that fountain of grace that flows. The foundation of peace. Even though you and I right now, we live in a world that is filled with tribulation. I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ is the full satisfaction for our sin. And since He is, since He's the full sacrifice for my sin and your sin, it's important that you and I know that there's nothing you and I can add on. None of our efforts to add on to the work of Christ will avail us anything, right? We cannot buy our way into heaven. We cannot serve our way into heaven. We cannot scheme our way into heaven. We cannot obey our way into heaven. We cannot do anything to purchase our forgiveness, to obtain salvation, or to make our way into heaven. Folks, it's only through the blood of Jesus that you and I can be rescued from the curse of sin. And you may recall this, but last, last couple of weeks, actually, the last couple of weeks, I've been referencing what the Bible says, what God's word says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, right? And how that God made Jesus to be sin for us, right? Even though He knew no sin, He made Him to be sin for us so that you and I could be made the righteousness of God in Him. I think about in 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, uh, the Bible encourages us by sharing the truth that Jesus actually bare our sins in His own body on the tree. Think about that. He became sin for you and me and He put Himself On that tree. The Bible goes on and tells us in that verse that by his stripes, you and I are actually healed, right? Now, that that reminds us about what we see in Isaiah, in Isaiah 53. But I was thinking this week as I was putting this message together, I was thinking about what we read in Isaiah chapter 1. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, what an incredible verse of scripture. The Bible says this Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. How incredible is that, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came, lived a sinless, spotless life, placed Himself on the cross, not only to fulfill Scripture, but to take care of sin, sacrifice sin sacrifice that was needing to be paid isaiah 53 i mentioned a moment ago in verse number six tells us that the lord laid on him speaking of jesus that the lord laid on him the iniquity of us all how amazing you think about that song jesus paid it all you know the song jesus paid it all all to him i owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow. Oh, my friends, in verse 30 of our text, go back to John chapter 19, verse 30 of our text. The Bible says that when Jesus had therefore received the vinegar, He said, it is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. Scripture had been fulfilled and sin sacrifice had been completed. And the really cool thing is He did it willingly. He did it all of His own accord. In fact, if you and I are to look at John chapter 10, in John chapter 10, verse number 11, Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And just a few verses later, if you drop down in that same chapter in verse number 18, he goes on to say that no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. We serve an amazing Savior. And I want you to know that today, with confidence, you can be sure and I can be sure that the full cup of God's wrath has been drained. In fact, you can look at Romans chapter 5 and verse number 9. And the Bible tells us there in that verse, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. Oh yeah, God's full cup of His wrath has been drained the curse of the law has been satisfied. We see that in Galatians 3, 13 and Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. In John chapter 12, verse 31, Scripture reminds us that the so-called, air quotes, prince of this world has been defeated. And I'm thankful that the devil has been defeated, right? Which is why we've been trying to encourage you with other short uh, devotional videos on building or continuing to build up these habits of a godly life oh yes we need to continue to walk by faith and not by sight the bible also tells us that the disgrace and shame of sin's guilt has been removed in fact Ephesians 1 in verse 7 states in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace The suffering and agony of sin's effect has been destroyed as well because Romans 6 and verse 6 says that our old man is crucified with Him that the body of sin might be destroyed. The only reason we're able to talk about these things is because of what Jesus did on the cross. I think about in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 55 through 57, the Bible tells us that the sting of death has been taken away. Oh, listen, you and I, those of us who have placed our faith in the risen Savior of the world, we don't have to fear death. Oh yes, we will pass from this life into the next. But for those who are saved, we don't have to fear it because He has taken away the sting of death. And when I think about Jesus, never again, never again will our Savior experience pain. Never again will He endure the taunting and the slapping of those that hated him so much. Never again will he be in the hands of his enemies. Never again will he be in darkness. Why? Because he said, it is finished. He said, I finished what I came to do. Scripture has been fulfilled. Sin sacrifice has been paid for. I've left nothing undone. It has all been taken care of through my sacrifice on the cross. You know, you may be listening or watching today and you uh, may be an unbeliever. First of all, I wanna say thank you. I wanna say thank you from the bottom of my heart from watching, for watching or listening today. But maybe you're, you're watching and you be honest with yourself. Nobody's there or maybe it's just you and a family member or a friend. But you would be honest with yourself. You would say, you know what? I know that I have never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. I've never never made that decision, right? And you know this. Spiritually speaking, you might put it this way. Yeah, Pastor Greg, I still have some unfinished business. I wonder, I put down on my notes, I wonder is there some reason why you would be sitting here watching today, listening today, but you're still waiting, you're holding off. Is, is there some sin that's keeping you from calling out on God today? Is it anger? Is it a habit? You know, it's like a, a lot of times they say a habit, a hang-up, or a past hurt. Is there some reason that you're holding up making a decision for Christ? Is it pride? Is it greed? Is it something else that keeps rearing its ugly head in your life that prevents you from really calling out upon the name of the Lord? If that's the case, could I just say something to you really today? The reality is it doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter how many sins you've piled up in your life. It doesn't matter how guilty you think you are. By the way, we are all guilty. Right here, guilty. But I'm so thankful for the grace, the love of God that sent His Son to die for me. See, we're all guilty. It doesn't matter what you've been doing this week. It doesn't matter what you've said this week. It doesn't matter uh, how bad you've been. It doesn't matter... Really, how many skeletons are hanging in your closet? It makes no difference. You see, because when Jesus said to Telestai, when he said, it is finished, he was literally placing a spiritual stamp on the receipt of your life that says your sin has been paid in full. If you'll just simply trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, You can have the assurance right now, right there where you're watching, that your sin has been paid for, that it has been taken care of. I was, and I put this in my notes because I was reading this passage the other day, and I was thinking about in John chapter 3 how Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Nicodemus was a lawyer, and he comes to Jesus, and before he's even able to ask a question, As our Lord did many times, you know, as we even started the message in Luke chapter 2. He answered his mom and dad with two questions. Before Nicodemus is even able to ask a question, Jesus actually makes a statement back to him. And he says, verily, verily, in John 3, 3, watch this, he says this. He says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus was establishing his kingdom, his spiritual kingdom as well, when he said it is finished. Scripture had been fulfilled, sin sacrifice had been paid, spiritual kingdom is set in place, and and he says it is finished. I've paid it all. And so the reality for you, if you're there and you've never trusted Christ, is you either accept him and his gift or you reject him and his gift. You see, I'm mindful that God the Father loves me and He loves you so much, right? He loves you so much that He willingly sent and gave His only begotten Son for you, as John 3.16 tells us. He did that. But I'm also reminded that Jesus loves you so much. Because not only did God willingly send and give His Son, Jesus willingly came and died. He willingly became sin for you. And so I would encourage you right there today that you would make a decision to place your faith and your trust in the risen Savior of the world who said, To tell us, die. It is finished. Now, you might be listening and you might be one of our regular attenders or maybe a member here at Battlefield Baptist Church. And to be honest, as believers, we too can have unfinished business in our life as well. And so I want to encourage you, if you're watching and you're struggling with some unfinished business, I encourage you to take the time take care of business while you have the opportunity, right? If you need to offer forgiveness, do it now. If you need to make amends, do it now. If you need to call someone and just say, I'm sorry, do it now. Don't leave anything unfinished. But spiritually speaking, I want you to know that because of the finished work, of Jesus Christ on the cross, when He said it is finished, that's good news for us as believers. Because if He's able to finish what the Father sent Him to do, just think about what He wants to do in us. Philippians 1 and verse number 6 celebrates this idea. And it says this, the Apostle Paul said, "...being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ." Oh, I'm so thankful that Jesus is going to take care of it all. I don't need to worry about uh, what's coming next. He is in control. Certainly, we want to be smart, even in this rare time in which we live. But I don't have to be someone that walks around crippled by fear. I can be confident. Because Jesus Christ, who began that good work in me, will see it through. He will complete in me what He desires to do. And so I just encourage you, as you and I, as we all traverse this uh, winding road of life that we seem to find ourselves on, I want to encourage you, as Hebrews 12, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12 too, I want to encourage you to keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, the Bible says He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Just keep looking. To Jesus, right? Because when he said it is finished, he was telling us all scripture has been fulfilled. When he said it is finished, he was reminding us that sin sacrifice has been paid. And although we really didn't point it out when he said it is finished, he was also indicating the beginning of a wonderful spiritual kingdom. Oh, that you and I, one day, one day we will be with Jesus. And what a day that will be. I love you, and I thank you for watching with me. Let's have a word of prayer as we close our services today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to hear from you and your word. And Lord, I pray right now for those that are watching or listening that may have never trusted Christ as their Savior. They, Spiritually speaking, there is unfinished business. I pray that today would be the day that they would understand your love, that they would realize that you willingly sent your son to become sin, to die on the cross, to be buried in a borrowed tomb, to rise again, to conquer death, hell, and the grave, really, that you did all of that for them. So Lord, I pray that in the quietness of the moment, that if there's somebody that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, that they would simply call out upon the name of the Lord right now. And you may be be here and you may be listening and and you say, I don't know how to do that. I want to encourage you. It's not about the words of a prayer. It's about the desire of your heart. But certainly we understand that the Lord wants us to confess our sinfulness and, and to call on Him for forgiveness. And so maybe you would say a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. And quite honestly, nobody had to tell me. Dear Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sin. I I want to ask you to come into my life, come into my heart, and to begin the transformation from the inside out. I'm asking you, you know, the world wants to change us from the outside in. I'm asking you to change me from the inside out, Lord. And I'm so thankful that you died in my place. I'm so thankful that you paid the price, that you paid the debt that sin required. Lord, thank you for doing this. Thank you for saving my soul. Help me to live for you in a way that brings you honor and glory. And I'll be careful to thank you for it. Now you may be here and listening and watching and you prayed that and you meant it from the bottom of your heart. I would encourage you, if that was you, that you would just let us know. That you would reach out to us. Shoot us an email, shoot us a text, get in touch with us. Let us know how we could be a blessing to you. For those who are watching and you're already a believer and you'd be honest and you would say, yeah, pastor, I have unfinished business as well. I would encourage you, I would encourage you to take care of that business today. Don't wait until tomorrow. You know, that's the devil's answer is always to put off, put off and put off. I would encourage you to take care of it today. Father, I pray that you would help us all as believers. God, as those who seek to bring you honor and glory, God, that you would help us uh, to do just that in the coming days. Certainly, Lord, we need your hand of protection and provision during these unique times that we live in. But God, help us to be confident through it all. Help us to keep our focus, keep our eyes on Jesus, who truly is the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the time that we've had to meet today. And God, I pray that you'll dismiss us with your blessing. God, I pray that you'll use this message to prick our hearts and to draw us closer to you, closer to your word, and closer to one another. And Lord, we'll give you the praise for all that you'll do. In Jesus's precious name, we do pray, and for his sake, amen. God bless you guys. Uh, again, it's been strange here in this empty room. Uh, But I miss you, I love you, and I look forward to getting together with you soon and very soon. Until then, keep looking up because our redemption draws nigh. God bless you.